Thanks for joining us today on our monthly public webinar live stream. Uh, today, we're going to talk about how to correct common trading failures. And we're not just going to talk theory here. Uh, we're going to be discussing uh, the various failures that we see. And, and the, the, the experience of this comes from the Convergent Trading Membership um, uh, group, uh, member group, as well as what I've seen in the past with, uh, you know, with uh, brokerages and, and things like that. We've put together uh, some of the most common issues people uh, see and, and some of the remedies. Uh, I want to remind you that uh, derivatives trading is not suitable for all investors. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. Let me know if I'm blowing out your headset uh, or speakers just in case uh, I'm over-modulating or something. Seems like it's okay. Here's what we're gonna cover today, okay? So today we're going to talk about what are the most common trading failures we encounter. Uh, we're gonna talk about basic expectations and beliefs we must embrace to succeed, uh, to hopefully succeed. Uh, you know, um, it all stems from what we believe, all of it, right? If we believe we're, we're destined for greatness, then we are much more likely to realize that greatness if we think that we are failures then we're likely to be failures and sabotage ourselves one way or the other or pay too much attention to those things that are adverse to us then we're going to talk about remedies for the trading death spiral of common failures which i'll go over in a minute we'll talk about that and i want to look at today let's look at today's action I could have pulled up the perfect day where trades were perfect and so on. I could have pulled up a really horrible day, but what's most relevant is today. So we're, we'll finish up by looking at, okay, here's, here's my process. Here's what I'm looking at. Here's where things fail today. Here's where they work today and what I've done so far. Uh, and, and I think that'll be very useful. Okay, so here we go. We're going to talk about the most common trading failures we encounter. So these are the 10 things that are um, the trading death spiral of common failures. Like these tend to build on each other and tend to lead us down a path that's really hard to recover from. If you identify and you should identify with one or more of these, uh, they're very, very common, they're everywhere. Uh, the first one is, of course, failure to define our edge. Again, I'll talk about the remedies in a minute. Failure to prepare, failure to follow a process, failure to wait, failure to stay focused, failure to accept randomness as just the, a fact, failure to accept losses, failure to honor our risk limits, failure to use leverage correctly, and failure to track performance. So let's go through each one of these very briefly to describe what the context of, is of what we're saying, okay? Uh, Leno, you still hear me? I'm seeing some indications that folks cannot hear something. I wanna make sure I'm still coming across. Uh, you sound good to me. Um, let's see what's going on here on YouTube. Also, in the questions panel, you might want to hit the, I can't tell them to restart because they can't hear me, but maybe that can be handled. Um, failure to define our edge. So let's talk about edge for just a second. An edge is simply um, 
the our ability to define an outcome that has a higher probability of working in our favor over a large data set. Really important, really, really important distinction. distinction. So an edge is not the ability to win every time. Uh, an edge really is a higher likelihood of one thing taking place over another, and we look to exploit that thing with a very, very defined risk. So our edge is a, here's my definition, our edge is a theoretical basis for why the market should pay us for taking an action. I'm going to get long, I'm going to put on a four-point stop, I'm looking for a scale out at eight points, and I'm looking for another at 16, and I'm shooting for 40 points. Why, um, why should the market pay us in this context? So you need to define that. In order to define that edge, and people, a lot of people fail at this, most people that I come across, the first question I ask is, do you have a defined plan? And the answer is, kinda. You cannot have confidence in kinda, or you cannot have confidence in not sure, or I think so. You can have confidence in yes, Here's what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm a fib trader. I'm looking for this third wave and I'm trading the fib pullback in the direction of the wave, whatever it is. Like you should be able to speak very clearly about what you're doing. Are you a lawyer? Mm, kinda. Are you a surgeon? Uh, yeah, I guess you can say that. Wait, wait a minute. Have you passed the bar exam? <laughs> If you are a lawyer, what kind of lawyer are you? What, what's your practice? What's your area of, of concentration? If you're a surgeon, are you board certified? Have you had an education? Are you practicing? Do you have malpractice insurance? Like these are very definitive things. So our, the entire vision behind convergent trading is to bring people together, to have them converge for the purpose of becoming uh professionals right because why do this if we're not going to be a professional so the, the failure to define an edge is, is is a primary issue failure to prepare this is so i understand this is what i need to do but then you know i roll out of bed five minutes before the open i kind of scratch my back and then i sit at my desk half sleepy and you know we'll see uh you know i'll respond to whatever the market gives me that morning good luck with that buddy uh because everybody else who's actually doing doing this professionally has done their homework last night or this morning has been watching they've got a plan laid out that has multiple scenarios or has an idea of what they should they, they're looking for this morning when the market opens uh, generally professional traders have a price map of some sort you know they they're looking for you know, a test of this, then they expect it to go here or whatever, you know, we're looking for 3809 or 3675 or 3711 in the S&P, whatever that is, there's a price map and you, you, that price map, by the way, isn't like a cheat sheet that's sitting in the corner of their monitor, although that could be used for reference. In general, a professional has memorized that price map, not because they're trying to memorize it as if to pass a vocabulary quiz, but because the homework is so intense or so complete 
that it's hard not to memorize. It's hard not to recognize what those areas are. So the preparation is intended to provide us with the background and uh, the background to set, to understand what the market has done, what it is trying to do, how good of a job, what it did in the overnight session, where it's opening versus, um, versus the prior auction, uh, and so on. This is all in the future. And uh, an example of that is what I share with those of you every day who join the Trader Byte. That's really just pre-market prep. That's that's the prep portion of it. Um, and that this is a this is a fundamental and necessary part of the process. Okay. Uh, failure to follow a process. Okay. So now we've got, we know our edge, we, we have a plan, we know what's up, and now we are, you know, and, and, and our edge has now um, helped us build scenarios based on the current narrative, the market narrative and context, where we are, what's going on, what's the risk posture, what are the key events today, so on and so forth, that's our prep. Now we follow a process. Okay, I'm going to close Twitter, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to focus on this. This is our process. My process is I'm going to track the open, I'm going to note the open, I'm going to figure out the opening swing, I'm going to see which side the biggest rotations occur in. Following the process is, you know, whereas the prep is anticipation of the future, following a process is a way of controlling feedback in real time. So an analogy of this would be, once again, uh, a used and tired analogy for me, but so relevant to trading is being a pilot, right? Uh, the, the, the prep is your pre-flight checklist, which includes walking around the plane, checking tire pressure, checking uh, the, the airplane structure, checking the load on the airplane. Is the, is the airplane... Uh, carrying too much weight, too little weight, checking the weather, filing a flight plan. Um, I don't know. There are probably tons of pilots in here. The trade pilots tend to trade. Um, so you, you go, you know, you go through and you go in the cabin in the cockpit and you uh, you check the, the the gauges to make sure you have enough fuel, that you have hydraulic pressure, and there's enough hydraulic oil or whatever the process is. That's prep. Following a process is okay, checked, okay, the, the wheels, the wheel chuck has been removed, the, the airplane's free, okay, the, the right propeller is clear, I'm going to fire up the right propeller, once it gets to a certain RPM, I'm going to fire up the left propeller, that's in real time, these are the things that we do in real time, here's how it goes to the, to the uh, runway, uh, I'm going to wait for clearance, got clearance, I'm going to accelerate, you know, my flaps are engaged and all that, and then I'm going to accelerate, I'm looking for a certain speed, and then I'm going to pull up, and I'm in flight. And as soon as I'm in flight, now I'm following the scenarios, I'm following the plan. So prepare and process two different things. Here's the thing, process, very important. You are judging your performance based on process. So if you deviate from process, if you deviate from process, then you are in randomness, and now you're measuring randomness. 
So your process is the most important thing, okay? Failure to wait. You know, in trading, they say, be patient. Ah, uh, be patient. I say that sometimes. I kind of cringe when I say it because if we don't follow the being patient with what to be patient for, or if we don't know and haven't defined that, then being patient is uh, a way of placating people, right? Placating or pacifying people. Hey, be patient. Yeah, the, the market action today might be a little wild, so be patient. Why? What for? That's where your plan comes in. So if you don't have a plan, then there is no way of knowing where to be patient. So that's a lot of people. A lot of people will check this box right here. This box here, they'll put a check next to it as a problem area. Because I don't know to wait. You know, trading is a whole lot of waiting. I don't know to wait because I don't know what I'm supposed to engage. Now, as I'm waiting, I'm starting to now look at my phone and I'm starting to respond to texts. You know, the market's really not doing anything. And I'm starting to roam around Discord and get into different chat rooms where there's no focus or guidance or control. I'm watching Netflix. I'm catching the some old rerun of Seinfeld or whatever. We're losing focus. When we lose focus, we lose alignment with the market. So this was where the surfing analogy comes back in. You know, how can you surf if you're not strictly engaged with the waves as they come and go? If you're not aware of the change in wind direction or speed, you have to maintain in a zone so you can get on your board, so you can paddle and get on your board at the right point so that the, the wave can carry you and you can surf. Right, So staying focused is a difficult thing. The thing to do with failure to stay focused a lot of times is people don't take enough breaks. So if you tell yourself, hey, at the top of the hour, I'm taking a break for five minutes, it's easier to stay focused because you're allowing, uh, uh, we're allowing our, uh, our mind to uh, regain the energy to, to maintain focus. Focus is a muscle. Discipline is a muscle. It gets tired. If you flex it all the time, it gets tired. Then we go into, so now this is the death spiral. So we've, we don't have a plan. We didn't really prepare. We, we don't really have a, have a follow-up process. Because we don't have a, or follow a process, it's impossible for us to wait because we have no idea what we're waiting for. Since we're not waiting, uh, we don't know when to wait, when to engage. We're pulling in a lot of uh, noise, a lot of distractions, so we're not staying focused. And as a result, we are looking for uh, uh, we are looking for a winner. And and because we're looking for a winner, we have not accepted we have not accepted the um, the randomness that's there. And the randomness is associated with very discrete trades. In other words, every single trade has a random outcome. Some of you might know about Brownian motion. It's this, if you zoom into any, anything, it has a kind of a mathematical randomization of, 
of events of what it does next. The, the market is built on that. Every tick is kind of a random event. Every trade is a random event. So you have to accept that this current trade is just a random event. It just is. Now, a whole bunch of trades put together should represent our edge. So we cannot we cannot tie ourselves up with just one trade and however it plays out. All we can do is follow our process, back to process, okay? Uh, failure to accept losses. So because I have been patient, but I'm not sure why, because I don't really have focus, so I don't have alignment and I'm not in a zone, and because I'm not accepting randomness, I engage with the market on the expectation that I will win on this trade, that I will get paid on this trade. And if I'm going to engage with the market, by God, I need to get paid. And so now I'm not going to accept losses because loss, losses are for losers and I'm not a loser. I need the market to validate who I am. I need to mark the, the market to validate um, my plan and my effort and the investment I've made. So I'm not going to accept losses. Now, if you believe in randomness, if you accept randomness, you must accept losses. Those go together because randomness always has a, 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 a loss outcome. And because I can I only take winners and I'm only waiting for winners, I don't need a stop. So you know what? That stop that I said I'll put on, I don't really need it anymore. It's too tight or I've learned information. I think I've learned information uh, that I didn't have once, uh, once I've entered the trade. Now I'm much smarter. So now I just can expand that stop or delete the stop and I'm not accepting the loss. Losses accumulate. And so the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to say, screw it to my risk limits. I've set myself up with uh, some sort of a micro or nano product and I'm intending, um, I'm intending to um, risk, you know, $60 on every trade. And I have a budget of $240 a day. Once I lose that budget, I have to stop. Well, because I'm losing and because I'm, I don't believe the market is a random has a random outcome on every single trade, and because every trade uh, hurts my ego, I'm going to blow through that stop. I'm going to keep fighting. The market's moving. Hey, I'm here to trade, and the market's moving. Why should I stop? So we don't honor our risk limits. So we go through our daily loss limit. We we suddenly are betting 30, 40, 50, 100 percent of our account on this one trade as we add to it and add to it and add to it. And as a result, we start to use leverage incorrectly. Hey, my broker lets me trade uh, the MES for $50. Crazy that they do that, but it helps them because, you know, at $50, you'll trade a lot more and only, your broker only, only makes money when you trade. And so there's a clearing firm and so does the exchange. And so, now I'm going to lever up. I'm in a loss. Hey man, I got to swing for the fences. You know, I took losses on two, three lots trading micros. Now I'm just going to screw it. I'm going to change my default to 15 lots because if I can catch one good trade on a 15 lot, I can make up for all those bad trades. And then as I explode and as my broker or risk manager takes me out of the market, um, 
now I am failing to document what happens so I can learn something from it. So I can identify my failures, all these 10 failures, and, and, um, and focus the next chance I have once I come back, if I'm able to come back, um, I don't have anything to go off of. So I'm very, very likely to repeat the same mistakes. This is the death spiral. These are the common trading failures. No edge, no prep or poor prep, no or poor follow uh, a process to follow, uh, not waiting for things to materialize that are supposed to be within our edge because we're impatient, we lose our focus, we're not accepting randomness. Because there's randomness, um, the outcomes could be good but by me doing something bad, could be good by me doing something good, could be bad by me doing something good, or could be bad by me doing something bad, and it's all just jumbled up, okay? And then once, I'm embroiled in this, I just cannot take another loss because it's just really giving me a, a, a heartache and I've got this, I feel like throwing up and so I'm just gonna keep trying to make myself whole and as a result, I'll, I'll uh, uh, ignore my risk limits for the day and while I'm ignoring my list, the risk limits, my account is dropping and I'm now trading too much for the account size, so I'm abusing the leverage that's available to me. This is why I don't believe people should trade with better than 25% of initial margin. Really should start at 50%. Um, and then, despite all that, all of that went wrong, I don't take the time, because I just wanna run, run away from this, I don't take the time to track what happened, to write down and journal what happened so I can learn from it. That's the death spiral. Okay, there are no questions, we'll move on. So, that death spiral that we just talked about is based on beliefs. And everybody comes with beliefs. We all have beliefs. Our life experiences, our upbringing, whatever, gives us certain beliefs. These are the beliefs that we must embrace to have a chance at success. So I'm gonna run through these because it really is about what's between your ears. It's really about how you view things. So, first of all, you have to judge the process when you're trading versus outcomes. Don't judge the outcome. You know, those who are at uh, Convergent uh, and watch the, uh, you know, follow the trades that I took yesterday, I took three losses, one with scales, before I had a chance at a win yesterday. Um, which paid for those losses. It just so happened to be that way. But, um, you know, I, I, I was getting long the whole time and the market was rallying and I was taking losses. So I'm following a process and I'm in the category of good process, bad outcome. Okay. So there's a box, there's a grid and the top left is good process, bad outcome. Good process, good outcome is the top left corner. Top right corner, good process, bad outcome. You know, good process, we get a loss. And the bottom left is bad process, good outcome. This is a really dangerous place to be, that bottom left box. Bad outcome, bad, uh, bad process, good, out, uh, good outcome. 
it feeds into poor behavior, very tough to break. And then the bottom right is bad process, bad outcome. This is what we expect. Hey, you screwed up and you lost money. You're an idiot. Hey, Morris, I, I don't think you're showing the slide uh, for the the four boxes. Yeah, I actually didn't create it, but oh, okay. I'm going over it kind of in an imaginary way. Um, but thanks for pointing that out. I didn't I didn't create it. So I just want you to remember, you know, good process. The top you want to be in the top half of the box. Good process and let the outcome be what it is. We want to stay in the upper box. Good out. Uh, good process. Bad out. Good outcome or bad outcome. We want to stay up there. We fight hard to stay up there. We don't want to be in the bad process, good outcome, bad process, bad outcome. Okay. So we judge the process, always judge the process. So judge what I do rather than dollars gained or lost on any individual trade. You don't judge individual trades. We judge a set of trades. Judge on large numbers. That's the next belief or expectation we should have. The last trade doesn't matter. I need many in order to know whether I'm trading my edge or not. Many people will take a trade, it's a loss, and then it's just, I'm not trading for the rest of the day. Well, it's hard to know. It's hard to know if you have an edge. You know, if you came to me with your performance and it's got three trades on it, it's completely random. I might as well have you flip a coin. It doesn't mean anything. If you come to me with 200 trades, now I can put some weight on your expectancy, your win percent, your uh, profit factor, your R factor, all these things, percent full stop, um, and so on and so forth. So we need a large number of trades. The higher, the better. Generally for trading, you want a sample of 170 or better, but 30 is kind of a low confidence, um, a low confidence uh, uh, sample size, but it's still usable. The third thing we have to really expect and believe is we have to have a growth mindset. And this means that we're always adapting and learning. Why? Because this thing, this, this job that we're doing professionally is constantly changing. The best analogy for this that I can think of, just because I went fishing a couple of weekends ago for the first time in like 20 years, um, this is like fishing. We're like fishermen and fisherwomen. Uh, we are out there alone on our boat. We have an indication. We can buy things, sonar and so on, to see where the fish are. But you have to lo you have to understand the narrative. You have to understand what kind of fish are in this body of water. You have to understand the season that you're in. You have to understand um, where the fish were located yesterday may not be where they're located today. You have to define some indications as to what to look for in order to pull up your boat to the area you want to fish, right? And that comes from experience, and then you can. You can improve your chances, but you certainly can't create fish. You know, just because I have an urge to throw my um, line out of the boat in the middle of randomness, I shouldn't expect success, but there should be a process. Successful fisher people have a process. They understand what's out there. They have the right lure for the right fish. They have 
the right line weight, they have the right rod, they're well prepared. That's the prep part. And then when we get into our boat, we go out on the lake or pond or the ocean, we now follow a process that maximizes our success. But because the fish are moving around all the time, uh, we have to be in a mindset that things are constantly changing. And by the way, that's exhausting for a lot of people. Having this constant change is exhausting. They see that as a net negative. It's not. Accept it. If you accept it because you have a growth mindset, if you accept that it's just part of the process, it's okay, right? Uh, you shouldn't expect that every night your dinner will be the same and be ready. You should be, you should, you should know and accept that, hey, I, I've got to go create it. And sometimes I might not be in a mood for, you know, what I have the ingredients for. It's another analogy. So being in a growth mindset means change is not something that you resist. Okay, so we choose, as human beings, we get to choose what we resist and what we accept. Okay, randomness is inevitable. That's, that's belief number four. You have to, have to, have to be okay with this. Randomness in the market is completely inevitable. Inevitable. Anything can happen at any time. And it's okay. Because randomness is completely inevitable, the only thing we do, the only thing we can do is control how much risk we're willing to take to participate in the potential for profit. So that's what your stop is. Stops are restraints. They are essentially limiting the size of my bet so I can stay in the game, so I can sample the game. Just think of stops are like... Um, they're a lot like I get to, there's a stream of water and there are fish going by. The water's freezing. It's freezing. And I have determined that I need to see a certain, I need to see a, see a, an indication that a fish is coming along and I get to push my hand into the water and grab around, but I need to pull it back out within a couple of seconds. Your stop is that determination for how long you can keep your hand in the water. If you keep it too long or if you have no restraint, your hand might freeze and then you're not going to catch any more fish. You know, you'll just, you'll just be numb or um, have frostbite and it's over, right? So your stop is actually something that is a restraint, a restraint that allows you to keep sampling. You know, if I bet all in, if I'm going fishing in a freezing stream and I'm hungry and I just come in and say, you know what, I'm just going to dive in and catch whatever I can find. That's someone who's trading without a plan, without prep, without a process and no stops. Good. Go ahead and dive in. You're going to die of hypothermia. But if I predetermine that I just keep reaching in, pulling out, and then I'm going to let my hand warm up, and I'm gonna reach in again, and yes, I keep coming up empty, so I'm, it's costing me something every time I reach in. That limitation allows you to sample again and again and again, and that mathematically, statistically, greatly improves your chances. Your goal is not to catch the big winner. Your goal is not to catch the big winner. Your goal is to have a winning idea a winning theory, an edge, 
Another word for it, another word for it is an edge. And then to sample the the data again and again and again. So the idea is to trade for the minimal loss limit as many times as possible. That's how we get close to our edge. That goes back to the coin toss example. I want to prove this coin. I'm not going to flip it three times. I'm going to keep, I'm gonna, I need to flip it 10,000 times. So I'm just going to flip and record the outcome. Flip, record the outcome. And do it as fast as possible. You know, make the stop, make it stop me out as quickly as possible. That's what I prefer. You have to believe that you are a professional, that this isn't like, eh, I don't know, we'll see, I don't know, I've got some money, you know, I'm just going to putz around. You're a professional, which means that I have to approach this professionally. I have to have a plan, I have to have a, 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 a preparation scheme, I have to have a process, I have to uh, have a way to approach the market. I have to remain disciplined. I have to stay focused. I have to obey my stops and risk limits. And then I have to track my performance so that as a professional, I can always know what's working for me and what isn't. I do more of what works and I troubleshoot that which doesn't work. So I have to have a belief that I'm doing this as a professional. If you're doing this as a hobbyist, then hey, you're just a hobbyist and chances are you're not going to make it and you'll probably fall into that you know, statistic that keeps getting recited over and over and over, which is you know, 90% of traders fail. Okay, I don't know. Define what a trader is. The market's not out to get me. Yes, there are even experienced seasoned traders that I hear every once in a while on YouTube or I'm even on shows with them and they're like, you know, they're going stop hunting and, you know, you know, they're going to get you. They're going to get you. Dispense with that. It is completely useless to think that way. It's counterproductive, actually. If I put you out in, a, in, a, in an environment when I'm screaming over the radio that, look out, they're out to get you, you know, and I've got you in this environment that has some risk then I shouldn't expect you to survive. If I stick you in the middle of a, a guerrilla warfare in a city somewhere and I'm like, oh, look, they're, they're crazy. They're crazy out there. They're going to get you. No, what I want to do is tell you that the whole thing has a process and to rely on your training. Rely on your training, you should be able to survive. Okay, The outcome is random. You may not survive, but your best chance is to rely on your process. So. The market's focus is not on us as an individual. I can't tell you how many times my own prop traders come to me and say, they're just watching me, man. You know, I don't do anything. And as soon as I put a position on, I get stopped out. Like they know what my position is. Okay. So out of the millions of contracts that have traded, they decided to focus on yours. And the reason that mindset exists is one, it is a fixed mindset that I am a certain way and I have a certain luck and it's bad luck. Also, they're not observing that the same action has occurred many times, but because they were not engaged with the market and didn't have a trade on, they didn't get to experience it. The hundreds of times it happened, they get to experience it the one time they got in and they think it's just them. The market is here 
to connect as many buyers with as many sellers as possible. There are ways it does it. There's an auction in progress and the, it, the auction has a purpose and it's being defined by the collective, not one or two people, unless you're trading a very thin product, it's defined by the collective. So the market's focus is not on us as individuals. Dispense of the belief that the market's out to get us. Trade setups must show themselves. This is a belief you have to have. This is the patient and focus part. Just because you think, man, you know, this might turn into a trend day and and Joe Smith said on, you know, his 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 Twitter that, you know, we're likely to trend and the market's oversold. Man, I'm just going to get long, right? No. The way this works, and I'll show you an example, the market has to show its hand. The setup has to actually show up. You shouldn't be anticipating that a setup has showed up. Sitting here and thinking, oh man, they're gonna they're gonna reverse it right here. It's just gonna reverse right here. That really takes you out of your process, and therefore the outcome is likely to be negative. Now you're getting into the bad process part of that quadrant, um, that four box chart, you're in the lower half. It's going to be a bad process with a good outcome or a bad process with a bad outcome. You're not in the upper quadrants where the process is good. So don't project your view on the market. I don't want to project my views on the market. I want to have a plan. I want to let the market show me, and then I want to step in. I'm going to take a brief pause here to tell you that this stuff that I'm talking about is repeated, and it's also shown in real time as much as possible in, in our chat room, but we talk about this in our trade talks, we talk about it in our group mentoring sessions, we talk about it in our study halls, we talk about this all the time. So I invite you to go to ct.pro forward slash join and become a member of Convergent Trading. It's just, I've worked with a lot of people and it's, you never know what people are doing and it's, it's um, there are too many people that I've spent a lot of time on and they're just there's just no way to keep following up on what they're doing and to keep that engagement so go to ct.pro forward slash join um, i would recommend that you at least take a month at convergent trading to see what's involved do the trade right program which is included in that to see what's involved in trading as a professional okay go check that out all right, so remedies. This is where we get to talk about what we need to do. The first thing we need to do, if you identify these any of these failures, the first thing you need to do is just stop trading. Your outcomes are probably nowhere near what you expected, and you're probably just giving money away to other participants in the market. Stop trading. This is the first step. So first step, stop trading. Just like I would not throw you in a war zone without giving you the right training, without putting you in these stressful situations, without giving you a briefing of what your mission is, without equipping you with uh, armor and, 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 and firepower and team support and uh, a commanding officer and so on. I wouldn't want you to trade without having all the pieces together. So the most important step here is to stop trading. Please stop trading live, okay? 
Now let's look at these failures and, and really what needs to happen. Failure to define our edge. It's as simple as having a theory based on, on your understanding of the market and then testing it. And the test could be on a simulator walking forward for a sample of 50 trades. Does it give you an edge or does it not? Right? Then we deal with the psychology of going live and the funding of going live and all that stuff. But really, I see a lot of people go to these funding companies, pay the $99 or $150 or $200 or whatever, and there's just no edge. They don't have a plan. Uh, in fact, several several people have reached out to me and said, man, you know, I'm doing my fourth combine, gauntlet, whatever, one-up, apex trading, all this stuff. And I just, you know, I get so close, but I never make it. Okay, what's what's the basis of your trades? What's the theory behind your trades? Why should the market pay us? Know why the market should pay us. Why should it pay us? As a profile trader or an auction trader, it's paying me because I'm defining where the market's balanced versus where it's imbalanced. I'm looking at when the balance is maturing. I'm looking at the edges of balance and so on and so forth. Many ways to cut it. Write down the context necessary to take a trade. Define your edge. I mean, there's a lot of material on this, but anybody worth listening to or taking an idea from um, should be able to, uh, to answer the question, why should the market pay us? Why should it pay us? Because that's a very necessary component. Failure to prepare. Write down the minimum information needed to develop a bias. So the prep is really our way of developing a bias um, or understanding market conditions, okay? So what is the narrative that I'm trading here? I'm trading off of a daily chart, therefore I'm a swing trader, an investor. I'm trading off of a one-minute chart, therefore I'm doing my homework on a 15-minute chart, whatever it is. What's your preparation? Because at the end of the day, the preparation is being distilled to just several things. One, here's the market condition. So this is the regime we're in. Um, two, here's my bias. And three, here's the price map at which I will engage. So I can have a long bias, but never engage with the market because it never really tested or uh, gave me a chance to lean against my price map. And my price map, for example, with Convergent is built on our stock zone levels, okay? Failure to follow a process. Define and follow the process that gets us into a trade. You have to follow a process. What is it that gets you into a trade? I'll go over that in the example in a minute. Failure to wait. Be patient, but for what? Waiting doesn't mean anything. If you hear someone saying, hey, be patient today, which I do, I try to qualify that by saying, as it sits here in this chop and it's expected to open and chop, be patient for a break one way or the other. Oh, the break happened? Okay, I don't need to be patient anymore. Now I'm looking for, I'm following my process to determine where my risk is, where my entry should be, and what my R factor is. Boom, I have those three pieces, done, done. I'm, I'm taking a trade, I'm stocking a trade, and I'm engaging. Our plan tells us when we are idle and when we stock trades. Stock, does anybody know? Does anybody not know what that word means? Stock, S-T-A-L-K. We must have confidence in our plan. 
Okay, so it's hard to be patient when you don't really trust or believe your plan. Failure to stay focused. Failure to stay focused. External inputs and distractions disturb, uh, destroy our flow with the market. You need to stay in the zone and in the flow. Remove inputs that aren't part of the plan. Failure to accept random randomness outcomes are random. This is just a law. It's a natural law. It's like gravity. The outcome of every single thing is random. You might make it home in one piece today. You may not. You know, probability is you would. Historical probability. But when when we look forward, it's randomness. Everything go in the everything in the past is historical probability. Everything looking forward is uncertainty. Is 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 a risk. Therefore, we don't know 100% what's going to happen. Approach our edge as a large set of trades. Don't, don't assess on a single trade or two or three or four. Okay. So you can't judge yourself based on how you did today. You're not as good as your last trade. You're as good as the process you followed for many, many trades. That's what shows up in the bank. Failure to accept losses. Losses are necessary. We're placing a bet to see if our four variables are correct. Does anybody remember what those four variables are? Anybody? Bueller? Mm -hmm. um, the four variables are that I'm talking about. The four variables are bias, our stop loss location, our entry price, and our target location. There's a fifth variable which is implied and implicit, but it always happens, and that is time. That is time. That's the fifth variable. But we don't talk about time because the four variables don't matter if time is not a factor because we just engage and time begins. So bias, stop loss, entry price, target location. If you get any one of these wrong, you're going to see a stop. This is what will happen to you. You're going to get stopped out. You've got to get all four correctly. This is why it's hard to make money, right? You have to get all four correct. So a stop loss is when any of those four um, get triggered. We end up with a stop. It's a protection against those four eventualities it's insurance stops keep us in business they keep us coming back failure to honor our risk limits you have to understand that a loss occurs at a trade level you take a stop loss at a trade risk limits are on the aggregate it is something that is uh that triggers when many trades go wrong or you have really this isn't your market. You need to step off to survive. So honor your risk limits. Make sure there are risk limits. Your broker should give you risk limits. There should be an auto liqu uh, liquidator if possible. Auto lick is really important. Sometimes th things just don't work. It's not your day. It happens. It happens to me pff, once, twice a month. Respect loss limits when they uh, that we simply need to step off and regroup. So, so respecting loss limits is not admission of, of failure. It's not that you're a loser. It's just that you're going to step off. It's kind of like going into the ring with somebody who's really, really over too, too much for you. You can stay in the ring. You can stay in the ring with them and get, 
get your get your brain turned into mush, or you have a risk limit, at which point your your trainer or your agent throws in the towel and it stops the it stops the match. And the reason we want to stop the match is because if we don't, you will not survive. Okay. Failure to use leverage correctly. Again, when we don't accept random, randomness and we take a lot of losses in individual trades, then we breach our risk limits. The next thing that goes is our use of leverage. We start to really lever up size trades according to the product, account size, current market volatility. I use harmonic rotations for that and margin requirements. Margin requirements are the exchanges kind of um, overarching risk limit. When they give you margin, requirements respect those um, don't trade with $500 margins on EES or $50 margins on MES or $500 margins on the NQ don't trade that way what you should do is go and look at the initial margin or the exchanges margin and only use about 50 to 25 percent of that per trade this improves your, um, this improves the probability that you will not get destroyed. Failure to track performance, the way we fix that is we grade how we followed our process. After each trade, we want to grade how we followed our process, how we executed, and how we managed our trades. Note any errors so that you know that tomorrow, these are the things you're gonna work on, very important. Let's look at today, okay? So today, I'm not gonna go over the trader bite and stuff because we've already done that, but we, you know, we came in today and I had discussed that we are opening right up against the prior days. You know, I'm a profile trader. Um, I'm a profile price action and order flow trader, right? So we were opening right up against yesterday's balance, right against this multi-day balance. So you could see these two distributions here. And I had said that today is likely to be very, very choppy. Okay. And so... Um, Again, be patient, but be patient with a directive that it's opening in CHOP and it's likely to just go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. What has it done today, folks? What has it done today? So here we opened. This is the overnight session. This is 8.30 Chicago time. I'm in Chicago. Chicago. And we opened right on top of the prior session's point of control, basically, or in the area. And we have gone up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. So the 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 my edge is defining when the market is either in balance or imba in imbalance, you know, when it's going to trend or is trendy, or it's sitting sideways and it's regurgitating. My edge is also in looking for price action changes to the current auction so i'm looking for impulses i'm looking for how it's treating statistical edges like the the overnight um the overnight statistics that's the overnight high low and the overnight point of control how it's treating and where it's trading relative to the prior settle there's a prior settle statistic how the opening swing is created how the ib which is the first hour trading how that's created and how that's been treated how it's responding to the RTH VWAP and mid, how it's responding to the full session uh, mid and um, VWAP. So let me highlight those for you. Here's full session VWAP, that's this line here. This is full session mid, and you can see that the market very often responds to these levels, right? Here, here, and so on. If I come in 
and it's opening in balance and it starts to swing like it has today, back and forth, back and forth, and it's completely disrespecting the RTH mid, which is right there, the solid line, or the RTH VWAP, then I know to stand back. Okay, and I did this morning, I talked about this in the chat room that, hey, you know, I'm looking for certain things. I was able to catch, is it this? No, uh, where was it? I don't remember. Maybe right in here. Catch the short back to 7550. Uh, I narrated that trade. So today, uh, the, the main trade that I've taken is 3784 and a quarter short. Uh, with a scale of 81 and a quarter, 74 and a half right here, and then I got stopped right here. And then, and then what it did is it stopped me out. Let me clear the screen. It stopped me out right here. Remember, I entered somewhere in here. The entry was 84 and a quarter short. Why? Because it opened, tested up, tested down, lower high, and I'm expecting that it failed to move into the prior um, the prior session's high area and put in a higher low. So I'm looking for it to respond back towards what? Towards the overnight point of control, towards the prior settlement. I'm looking for that statistic, okay? So I've, I'm defining a three-point stop. I'm uh, looking for a three-point scale to secure some risk which is, you know, so the short's 84 and a quarter. I could show you that in a little more detail here, one second. I'm managing a lot of screens. Let's clear it. Let's zoom in. Okay. So the narrative is choppy, be very tight. Um, and so the trade was 84 and a quarter right in here. It impulsed down, came back, looked look for it to push through, saw the the order flow here, and then got short 84 and a quarter. And I had said in the chat room that 75 is going to be really important. It's been for days, and um, 73 down here, and I scaled ahead of that at um, 74.50. So I got filled down here. And then it chopped around and then it lifted my stop. So at this point, I had uh, gotten rid of risk. I had banked some profits and then I took a stop on the balance. And then what it did is, boom, good size. So what do I expect here? I expect this to be an impulse up, pullback, small pullback. And then I expect it to continue. And it didn't. It didn't. So that's the process. That's the in um, that's the live kind of information that I'm getting. We managed to put in lower highs. We managed to push lower lows. And now we have really broken higher. What is it doing back here? Why is it back here? This tells me that we're in balance. And what I've done since then is in the chat room is to say, guys, I'm not doing anything. It's in balance. And here we are. Balance, balance, balance. And then we finally break down which now would tell me that I have a setup right here. See how it held this? Beautiful, right? So we look for the short down here against seven, the earlier 74.50. Look for the short down there and then look for a continuation. Okay, the short is on. 
74.50. Look to scale for risk. So that's three points with a three point stop. Look to scale ahead of the low. Probably didn't get filled. And then we got stopped. So again, we get an entry, a scale out scale out stop so net positive but it's the return on risk is very poor so now we go back to again updating the team to say this is chop be careful okay so we finally put in the ib high right up here so we put in an ib low we've crossed the entire range put in an IB high, and then we crossed almost the entire range again. This is absolute and utter garbage, and my process tells me that I need to stay out. I need to stay out. Next thing that happens is we break the IB high. There's a statistic here to play. We're looking to either push to the IB low or the IB high. There's a, about a 95% historical probability that it's uh, it would breach one or the other. In this case, it breached the high side. I was not in anything because it's doing it from the middle. I'm not going to trade from the middle. The market's balanced. And it just starts to push and push and push up against the century figure. That's 3,800. Very often a very difficult area to get into. And I can see that there's a lot of participation here. So I would expect that if it continues higher, the order flow is going to blow out a lot of shorts. You see those red dots? Those are large lots selling. I'd expect them to be blown off, and I'd expect this to be support on the pullback, and it wasn't. Fell through, pushed, made a, a high at 3,800 basically, pushed through again. Now we have a double bottom, a local double bottom, which is a weak low. So now we can have a trade set up here. So we've identified a bias. Boom, boom. So this is a local double bottom, statistically speaking, very likely failure. I know many people see the double bottom as a, a strength. Now I'm looking for the pullback. You can see there is a collision here. I'm going to lean against the collision and look for an entry at 3790, which is a major battle area. So the 3790 comes from way back here, okay? And from yesterday. So this creates an opportunity for a short and we're looking for it to go back to the mid, scale out ahead of VWAP, and so on and so forth. I was not on that trade because I was in meetings. Okay, but that's a setup for me, short term. These are scalps. And then it finally breaks to the other side. What does it do? It pulls back just enough to get you enticed, but not to get you filled. And then since then, it has done nothing. So what this tells me is we have created two distributions for the day okay now we have the line in the sand is this area right here this 3773 it's 72 half really in the s p is a line in the sand as long as it remains below it is likely to continue to explore lower the range stat has been triggered for the session so we already have enough range uh, but as long this is this is going to define whether or not bulls take it back or not. Right now, it's in the hands of sellers. The caveat is we have a higher low here in balance. Again, the market is in a choppy environment. Delta is positive. Yada yada yada. So there, this all of this information kind of think of like a computer that's receiving information and and putting it in a specific folder. And the folders have certain um, 
levels of importance. But the overarching theme for today is that uh, the market is likely to be difficult to trade. Here, I'll show you. So this is the trader bite from this morning, the pre-market video. Let's enlarge it, enhance it, enlarge it. And let's look at what was expected. Chop, chop, chop. If it breaks higher, then we're likely to continue all the way into the gap 38.50. Chop, chop, chop. If it fails to break higher, so there's, there's the 3,000 right up here. 3,800, I mean, then look for an impulse down and look for it to continue down to 3,750. See this 3,750 where I have a circle right here? Now look at the 3,750 right there. So it poked through to 70, uh, to 37.45 and it's bouncing. So this, this is a really important area to test the mid-century and it tested it again here. And it's, you know, now it's likely to chop. Now, the continuation short doesn't exist unless we push through this 50 strong. We have a strong rotation down and we have a weak rotation up. It sets up a short at 37.50. And then from the 37.50, we start to look for what's next below. So we start to look for, yes, you know, the low of the session, 37.35. The ultimate target becomes 37. 1175 that's where the ultimate target is it becomes important that we hold for that long so there's this my point being is there there is a reason why the mark i expect the market to pay me there's a preparation process which a lot of you watch every morning in this trader bite i explain what the narrative is, I explain what it has done, how things are positioned. So that's the preparation process. Uh, that's the, the pre-market prep. Then there's the then there's the um, there's the the process for engaging. Hey, I'm looking for this particular thing. I'm looking for an order flow thing against the, the predefined level, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm looking to engage. I'm following a process. Okay, and unless the process shows me something, I'm waiting. And while I'm waiting, I'm staying focused. And while I'm staying focused, I understand that the very next trade, despite all effort, is, is likely to lose. It has a 50-50 chance. And if I lose, then I'll respect my stop as I have today. I will accept my stops. And if my stops trigger multiple times because I'm just wrong on these four variables multiple times, then I will accept my risk limit for the day. Boom, I've hit my risk limit, that's it. I put my, take my hand off the mouse, I shut down the screen, I am done. Before my risk limit's triggered, I'm reducing my size, I'm taking a lot of breaks and so on. I never violate my leverage ever, and I know where I stand in my performance. So I'm refuting all of these common failures and I'm working against the death spiral that is the common failures, okay? That's a lot to cover. We're over our time by about 10 minutes. Uh, Landau, do we have any questions or anything that we have not, uh, that I have not covered as a part of this? Uh, no, we don't have a ton of questions. A lot of comments here. Uh, a lot of people relate to this concept and the death spiral, especially. Um, we did have somebody ask about 
uh, when you were talking about trading plans about a sample or a, or a uh, trading plan template, I linked in the chat. If you guys go to convergentrading.com forward slash trading plan, there is a sample trading plan, a template that we've made that kind of has, has the minimum components that we believe needs to go into a plan. So you guys can check that out. I'll also link that in a card here if you're watching this back on YouTube, but uh, that's convergentrading.com forward slash trading plan. Um, as far as journals, um, people are asked about journals as well. In the community, um, in Convergent Trading, we have a, a journaling feature and some journal templates as well. So if you guys want to join the community and check that out, you're more than welcome to do so. Okay. Any Anything else? Russell is asking how to get charts set up like you. Uh, we do have our chart templates available in uh, Convergent Trading for members as well. Um, yeah, we I, share, I share, just it's worth noting that I share all of my templates, whether you're using Edge Pro X, so you can get all of these templates, whatever they are, TPO charts or whatever, uh, or uh, on Investor RT. And I know others within the community share their, um, share their, uh, what are they called? Chart books or something like that for Sierra. Uh, and there are parts of members in the community who are ninja traders, and, and there are also plugins and add-ons that we have for those various platforms. So you can get these stock zone levels, these levels that you see the market kind of respecting, boom, right up here, the 45 down here, the magnet, and so on and so forth. These are all shared as well. These are updated on a cloud server and update themselves on your chart automatically. So all of this is covered within our uh, support system within Convergent Trading, uh, an important part for a trader to just kind of get up and running as quickly as possible and focus on actual trading versus technical support. Okay, we have three more uh, quick questions. Somebody asked, what's IB? That's initial balance, which is the uh, first hour traded in the day. So go to convergenttrading.com in the top right. So everybody has access to this useful info. You can go to the trading glossary or the abbreviations. They serve two different purposes, but you can go and look for IB and there's an example of it, okay? Uh, there's that information. There's also a, a link to the software that you see in front of you. It's ProX, InvestorRT, Sierra Chart, Bookmap, all this stuff. Uh, there's just a lot of stuff. I would uh, also invite you to check out the um, check out the the, the blog um, as a, as a part of this. There's there's a lot of stuff in here uh, to to cover, and it's really focused stuff. Okay, so now we're not rambling all over the place. Uh, it's it's really responding to what traders need and we, what we know traders need. So hopefully it'll be helpful to you. Uh, one final question relevant to the discussion. Uh, somebody's asking about what do you feel? What do you feel about FOMO and kind of how does that fit into the failures we talked about already? Excellent, FOMO. We can talk about it as if it's a psychological condition. FOMO goes back to the main trading failure, which is no plan, no edge, no preparation, poor preparation, and no process. If I have, if I know what my edge is, if I know 
how to prepare for whatever the market's going to deliver once it opens in my trading time frame. And if I have a process that I'm following in order to realize that edge, then FOMO is not for me because if the trade, you know, like you saw earlier, there was that pullback short that didn't go far enough. Well, it it's not a trade that I'm going to jump on. I'm not going, the fear of missing out, that fear, the F and FOMO is is really triggered by the fact that the person looking at it, um, looking at that situation, doesn't really have a clear idea of what they should be looking for. That's what FOMO is. If you miss a trade, and I do a lot, and many many of you guys who, you know, been looking at my trades, know that I miss a lot of trades. There's another one. There's one after that. There's one after that. Don't worry about it. It's it, it, you see it as a need. FOMO is a need to be right and a need to avoid losses by only taking wins and, and not wanting the, the pain of having missed a perfect trade versus taking a loss. There are more people who are willing to take a bad loss on a bad trade than to miss a good trade that they expected. Because when you, when you lose, that's the market's fault. But if you a trade sets up and you didn't take it and it ends up working, that's your fault. And that's more painful to manage. But if you have a process, none of, none of that matters. You just wait for the next one and the next one and the next one. Anything else? Um, BG Futures Trading is asking, uh, any good idea how to log a trade during a time where you're trying to execute and manage a trade? I've gotten better at following my homework and process, but have not quite figured out trade logging. So I think talking about just logging his trades while the market's still live in action. Don't log a trade while you're in it. There's no point to doing that. You need to stay in the flow of the trade. You need to stay in the flow of the market. You can always log a trade afterwards. And when you log a trade, a lot of people are like, well, you know, I felt there was a kink in my back. And, and I, you know, I think it's because my wife said this and that I didn't work. Log the things that you can do something about and that are relevant to that trade. And you should be able to know what those are. You just took a trade, you got some scale outs, you got part of a target, and then you got stopped out. Okay, process, good. Execution, good. Uh, outcome, okay. Uh, errors, um, probably should have done this, that, or the other. That's it. So trade number two. 15, the log next to it just looks at the process. You're grading the process. You're grading the process. And the reason we say outcome is good or not is because we want to associate the process with, we want to know which quadrant that piece falls into. But we're not really judging the, the, the trade based on our P&L or trading log. We're simply saying, you know, and you can add a setup. You could say, um, Impulse continuation setup or um, a balance to imbalance into the IB, balance to imbalance into the overnight high, overnight high failure and return long, whatever it is. And then you just tell us the important thing is to, to, to only log those things that you are relevant that you can do something about, which is, is did you prepare well? Did you, did you follow your process? Did you execute well? And then whatever the outcome is, it is. And if you have any errors, those are really important to note. You know, 
shouldn't have moved, shouldn't moved my target, should have kept my target where it is, shouldn't have moved my target just because there was a big offer standing in the way. I should have stuck with my target. I gave up four ticks for no reason. Like track that. That's something you can do something about. But don't do it while the trade is open. While the trade is open, I'm surveying the market. I'm not trying to log things. Okay. I think we're really over our time. We should probably cut it off here, Lando. What do you think? Yeah, I think we need to cut it off. Um, looks like that's all of the relevant questions uh, that I see here as well. Very cool. Well, I hope you guys gained something today. I really would want to. We're trying to change how traders trade, and hopefully you'll consider joining Convergent Trading um, by going to go to ct.pro forward slash join and uh, just becoming a better trader. Uh, hopefully you, you've gained something and, and can carry it forward into your own trading. Good luck for the rest of the day, and I'll speak to you soon. Take care.